0: we should think of the future as a positive thing. you know. As we look at the future, uh, so we act, and as we act, so we become. So we should yeah. think of the future as positive. And despite of all the issues like geopolitics and wars and so on, we should keep a positive mindset because the future is made by optimists. Now, it's not made by pessimists.
1: everybody welcome back or welcome to the live on bone podcast this is a space where we explore the stories secrets and skills of the world's top performers I'm your host and high-performance consultant Stephen Macdonald and I'm very lucky to get up close and personal with world-class performers from different high-performing industries including business sports entertainment military CIA the ballet and much more you can hear stories groundbreaking insights practical nuggets in a really fun thought-provoking and inspiring way and my hope is that you take on at least one action or one subtlety or one subtle change from each episode that would enhance your life and those around you and this episode i was really lucky to speak with Gerd Leonhard Gerd is a world-leading futurist and humanist and he says the future is already here and it is better than we think as technology rapidly advances and may exceed human capabilities, Gerd highlights the necessity for a harmonious balance between technology and human values. In this conversation, you can expect to hear more about how to develop a future-ready mindset in an hour a day. So Gerd road models this, spending time in the future every day, and we learn more about how he does this and then how we can actually do that ourselves. Gerd's vision for the future—a good future. Rethinking economic models to prioritize people, planet, purpose, and prosperity, which is GERD's mission, purpose. Ethical considerations and regulations for AI. And Moravec's paradox, which is really empowering. What's simple for humans, is hard for AI, and vice versa. So a lot of good stuff here, and I think it's great timing to tune into this episode as we face into another year, 2024. And before we know it, we'll be in 2025, so why not give yourself space to be future ready? great to have you on George I really appreciate you coming on your time you're going to give to to the show and to the people that are listening in is going to be it's going to be hugely valuable so thanks very much you're welcome so what you do right now is is, is centered in a kind of humanism and futurism technology being a key part of that so like I'm I, and I know you also had a background in music right so you've 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 had an interesting journey in life to, to where you are right now so where i like to start is what are the one or two I suppose it aspects of your earlier days in your childhood or, you know, where you were growing up that have shaped you into the person you are today or that have kind of just put you on this path subtly when you reflect back. Does anything come to mind? Yeah, you
0: know, if I, if I think back to my where I grew up, you know, I grew up in the forest in Germany, near the Rhine Valley. And I think there's two things from that. Is basically that, you know, I I like nature. You know, I, I like technology also, but I really uh, enjoy nature. And that's like likewise. Yeah, to be in nature, and the second part is that in the Rhine River Valley in Germany, mm-hmm. uh, near Cologne, in Cologne, they have this this kind of special mentality of uh, being a little bit funny, or irreverent, asking questions, and being very casual. You know, it's very it's very un-German. It, like Cologne is a, is a particular different place than say Munich or Berlin, mm-hmm. uh, to where people are much more open and like to investigate. Uh, it's this whole area; it's just a different culture there. And I think I took that with me when I moved to San Francisco in 1982, when I was uh, 22 years old. I moved there and I basically lived there for 18 years. I went to Berkeley College in Boston, and you know I became half American. <laughs> 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 and uh, so it was very hard, actually very hard for me to get back to the German way of doing things. But I, I moved back after the internet crash in 2001, you know, when my startup went bankrupt, and you know I learned a lot in living in America. And, you know, I I came from the music business and then Mm. to online music and stuff. So ever since then, basically since 2001, I've been working on the future. Uh, yeah. Which is a, getting a topic that's getting bigger by the day.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So you've been working on the future. I mean, can you tell me about how you work on the future, right? So what does that actually look like for you in terms of you doing your work?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, uh, a lot of people don't understand what a futurist does. I, it's a very Anglo thing, you know, so people in, you know, in Ireland and, and the UK and America would obviously understand what it is, but many Europeans have a hard time with that idea, yeah. and really what it is is that I, I don't predict the future, you know, I observe the future, so my job is to go and say, okay, 5, 8, 10, maybe 15 years from now and, and collect what I see coming and to collect the signals and to observe. Like, you know, I in the late 90s, I said music is moving to the cloud. You know, music will not be in the plastic product anymore. Mm. It will move the cloud. We'll just click a button and it will start playing and we're going to have what we want. And uh, you know, all media is mm. moving to the cloud, including mm. films, of course, right? And that was kind of revolutionary then, uh, but it's completely normal now. And today, I would say, for example, it's totally clear that uh, as we're moving into the future, we're going to drop the fossil fuel concept of oil Mm -hmm. and gas being so important to everything, and now everything is becoming sustainable. Those are observations that I make, and then I I help companies, governments, business people uh, to kind of get ready for that future and to develop scenarios and to make the right decisions. Because a lot of times we think the future is far away. It's like science fiction, Uh, Mm -hmm. but really the future is only like a week. You know, all of a sudden we realize, oh, the future is already here. Like today, you know, we have eighty million songs on Spotify for ten quid. And that that yeah, was yeah. like totally hypothetical. Even fifteen years ago it was all like pie in the sky. And, you know, Apple music back then was one dollar per track, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it'd be eighty million dollars to get all the tracks you want. So basically these things happen much quicker and I always say the future is already here. We just haven't noticed. And we need yeah. to pay more attention to the future.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, what are some red flags for you? Know, I suppose I'm thinking about humanity here, right? But I mean, that's a broad one, right? But, like, in terms of when you're looking into the future, when you're observing those 10, 15 years on the line, is there anything? I know there is, right? But I suppose, the, like, what's, <laughs> is there anything you're nervous about, right, George, Right? Is there anything that you're kind of anxious or anxious about? I
0: think the biggest red red flag for us is that we uh, we are in urgent need of changing our economic logic. Our economic logic has been fit for a time where there was a lot of growth and possibilities, and there was like the land of plenty, you know, we could use all the fossil fuel we wanted and didn't pay much attention to it, and so on and so on. And today, it turns out, if we only focus on profit and growth and, you know, more money, more jobs, more everything. Then we end up in a place where we wreck everything around us. You know, we wreck nature, we wreck other people. Uh, you know, we, we were coming from the sort of extraction economy, taking things out and, and using it and growing. And now yeah. it turns out that's not a good recipe for the future because <laughs> basically we had to think further and we had to change our economic logic to encompass people Planet, purpose, and what I call prosperity—not yeah. just prosperity—because if we don't do that, basically we will eat up everything around us, and then it, the whole system crashes. And it's quite clear with artificial intelligence now that this could be heaven or it could be hell if we have the wrong policy and we don't mm. pay attention to the side effects. You know, then we end up in the same place again, like we did mm. with oil and gas, where we had really a lot of great benefits then boom, before I um, you know it, yeah. it
1: was emergency time. So when you say artificial intelligence, is artificial intelligence good for society, good for people, good for humans? I would Rockers. I would
0: take a step back and say, you know, basically that pretty much every technology that does amazing things, you know, general purpose technology, as we call it, like fire, the printing press. Electricity yeah. and AI is kind of like fire or the printing press. You know, it's very, it's going to be absolutely everywhere, and it's changing everything. And these things can be very good for society, making us prosper, making us live longer, making us faster, uh, and also helping the planet. Of course, last but not least. So, in in principle, it's a good thing to have artificial intelligence uh, to help us to deal with all these things. Yeah, but we have to also have the right context, the standards, and the safety, and the security Mm. of people in mind. For example, if you're looking at how already it's possible to spy on people using the mobile and the internet, and now if we add artificial intelligence to it, it's like a super spying possibility, right? So uh, it makes everything more exponential. So what we need to do is to take the maximum benefit and safeguard against the things that are not so good. For example, the uh, the story that it makes up, the inventions, the hallucinations, you know, the things that aren't true, that are uh, easily made up with AI, because after all, it's a limited understanding of real life that it has. So we yeah. need to be careful with it. But in principle, it seems like an amazing opportunity.
1: Yeah. And I'd agree with that approach to, you can look at a context and you can look at AI and it's it's a magic it's it's a beautiful thing that you can take and use it for the better, but there also will be people that will potentially use it for, you know, order you know for their own gain against other people in a selfish manner. So in a selfish manner, so I know there's anxiety around that, and also I'd imagine that there is some anxiety around future jobs and what might be removed as a result of AI. Well, that- uh, you
0: know, uh, uh, all technology is like this. All technology can be used for great things and for not so great things. you know I can take a hammer, build a house or I can go kill my neighbor with a hammer. It's not you know <laughs> we don't regulate we don't regulate hammers uh, you know <laughs> everybody could buy a hammer but it's basically all technologies like this but the more powerful technology gets like nuclear technology or genetic engineering or artificial intelligence, the more powerful it gets, the more we have to think about rules and standards and also regulation. So we have to say, okay, if we're gonna use artificial intelligence to write blog posts or books or articles, then you know we have to put a flag that says it was written by a machine and therefore maybe it's not entirely true. I mean, of course there's stuff that people write that may not be entirely true, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: right?
0: But, but we have to have a flag that says, okay, this was done by a machine and therefore it may be utterly stupid or maybe really interesting, we don't know. But it's like Google Maps, You know, we use Google Maps as the same thing. We look at Google Maps and say, oh, yeah, that's that's a good way to go. But if you're from Dublin or Cork, you know, you would know that it's not always true. And and you make up your own mind. So what we should not do is we should not use artificial intelligence to stop thinking so that we use the machine to do our thinking. Because the machine only sees a, a fraction of real life. It does not feel... It doesn't have agency it doesn't understand really it's just putting together facts and we have
1: to be aware of that so there's limitations to ai that obviously people are always going to be more efficient and effective at certain things related to social intelligence chemistry between people um i I wouldn't say efficient
0: I, i think i think people what people are picking up on are the things that machines have a very hard time doing it's called the Moravec paradox. The the Hungarian yeah. researcher, roboticist, who says whatever is easy for a computer is hard for a human, and vice versa. So basically, what happens <laughs> is said. I love that. Know, I, I <laughs> you know I can I can speak to you when I meet you. I can I can discover in like four seconds, you know who you are basically just from the interaction when we meet in real life. Uh, it's very hard to do that for a computer because a computer will look at your face and will say. Oh, he looks tired or, you know, he's white, he's black, whatever. The obvious things. <laughs> but yeah. but really no know, knowing and judging a person, that that's a whole different cup of tea. Machines don't do those things very well. And so what our future is, is we're gonna let the machines do the dumb things, you know, the the commodity work, the monkey work, the donkey work, whatever you want to call it, you know, filing and inputting and researching. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the simple stuff. But we can't let computers do stuff. That takes you with judgment, like probation, you know, let people out of jail, you know, the computer observes the video and says, yes, that person will do fine. You know, that, that, the the kind of thing that we shouldn't do. And we shouldn't let, we shouldn't let computers make our news, AI, completely, because it doesn't understand the value of truth, because truth is important in media, the news, but machines don't understand truth because it's not a zero or one, you know, yes or no factor.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely you know can appreciate that. Yeah, so this question is related to um you were in Dublin a couple of weeks ago? Mm-hmm. when were you yeah? So so you done a talk, right? Did you do a talk to as part of a program? Is it the IMI?
0: The IMI, yes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. We had a great session, one in Dublin, one in Cork, and uh we had about 150 people or so really. It was a great event with many questions, not just about AI, it was about the digital workplace, education, and the future in general.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that, and I I think the IMI is, is doing good things. I I done um some sessions for them and some some keynotes for them as early well, like, a couple of years back, and uh, it, it was brilliant. Center on leadership and performance and culture, and yeah. So from your perspective, George, what was the when you when you were going into that session, I suppose, what was the key couple of things, right, that you want key messages that you wanted to give to the to the people in the audience to the participants what was the key nugget? to do, what you wanted them to take away yeah i think
0: really important is uh the what i call the future mindset you know to to understand yeah. what is coming and to prepare for it like you know ireland has a particular scenario that makes it, it prosper today not just the tax thing but everything else also mm. it's the only english-speaking country in europe right so it has <laughs> it has a
1: yeah, that's so an you interesting stat, right? You, yeah, right? I mean, you, that's such a simple thing, which you people don't... I'm, I'm living in Ireland, and I don't even... First time I've heard that, that we're the only English-speaking country is for first time. It
0: has a bunch of really interesting advantages, but everything moves in windows, and basically what we need to do is we need to say, okay, this is why I think it's a good idea to have a fund. I think Ireland just started the future fund, you know, for new yeah. development, to take the current money and say, okay if the current gravy train stops or changes and if the tax regime changes or whatever you know what's our next window for being for prospering and what does prospering mean anyway you know to attract people to come back to ireland or to stay in ireland or you know and it, uh, if you're looking at countries like the emirates or dubai you know dubai is painting itself as the future not the past yeah and, and, mm-hmm. and it's very important to understand what's coming for example in uh, in most businesses we have these three revolutions one is the digital revolution which changes how we do everything pretty much and especially ai and then we have the sustainability revolution the green mm-hmm. revolution which which changes how we power everything you know sustainable circular economy and so on and then we have the purpose revolution which is about why we do things and so what we talked about at Dublin at Court was to say, well, if we're going to look at the next five to eight years, maybe we can learn something and start getting ready to have a future-ready mindset that has answers when things happen. Because today, the future isn't science fiction anymore. The future is like, you know, already here, we just haven't noticed. Like in the yeah. car industry, you know, the car industry is quite simple. You know, it's a great example for how people worked for a long time to make the perfect engine like mm. BMW, Mercedes and so on. It turns out that engine is no longer needed because now it's electric, right? So punches mm. and all these things we don't need anymore. It's like the old generation. And all of a sudden you're in a different place where, you know, these things are no longer needed and you're in a new world and that new world. You have to learn because it's not going to take 20 years to be in the new world. It will take two or three years. And then in yeah. ten years, it will take two or three months. <laughs> so mm. you have to constantly invent, and this is really important.
1: Yeah, like invent is a, is, is a really important word. I think in order to just having that curiosity, that kind of imagination to like that that where I'm where I'm going. Oh, George, I'm really curious about. You know, you say the future isn't in the future; it's here and it's around us. How can you begin to notice that more? How can you begin to be intentional about? Um, embracing that and taking an action to change, I suppose, and be ready, future ready. So I know future ready is actually here and now. So I'm just curious around that. Do you have anything to
0: yeah contact? You know, we, uh, as far as the future readiness, we focus a lot on present day things because when we when we run businesses, we want it to run well, uh, mm. and so we we spend 150 percent of our time on on just making things work. And then we realize that uh, technology and everything else around it is changing society. And by the time we get to the intersection, we're going full speed ahead because we're so focused, you know, on doing one thing. And then we realize the future is not an extension of the present. The future is completely, in some cases, like in the music business, we don't sell records; we sell I don't know streams, right? Mm. Um, and shows. And all of a sudden, I mean, Dublin was big or is big in the music business. It's nothing like it was 20 years ago. It's completely the opposite. record Mm. labels have waned in importance and now we can go direct. It's all about marketing and so on. So we basically have to be ready to make that shift and understand where it's going. So I always say we have to spend one hour per day in the future. And I'm not talking about watching movies. I'm talking about reading books watching the great shows and podcasts and reading yeah. stuff you know basically being aware of what's happening because then you can say okay mm. I get it I'm not going to sell records I'm going to sell special performances or music for film and television or you know basically I'm looking at possibilities and then I can react quicker
1: yeah that's brilliant one hour a day that's kind of really practically kind of and then you mentioned kind of some of the some of the key things you can do in that one hour said podcast, you know, looking at your work, and um, you've done a lot of talks as well. You're right, and you've been on podcasts, and you're here now, right? So I think you've a lot of insights that people can learn from, and you've got five books, probably six done away, I would imagine.
0: I, I've done uh, six books, but, you know, I, I realized yeah. early on that that uh, the past was really about books, you know, writing clever books and, and selling books, and that's still a good thing if you're into that but it's such a painful thing to write books, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the time. future is a, the future is about audiovisual materials. It's, I mean, mm. you know, I have 250,000 or so subscribers on YouTube, and I make videos now. I, I, I still want to write a book, but, you know, it's all about video and performances and keynotes, and, you know, it's a completely different medium. And when you write a book, the skills are so different than making video. And you yes. have to learn, you know, you have to learn what you're most comfortable with Many people are comfortable writing in their, you know, seclusion, and then they put out the book, and, and there it is. But you know, videos are completely different. So it's much more interactive. Yeah. You know, YouTube, you know, YouTube has become the new television, and and so I think that is also very much about just as important, I think, for businesses to find out what is your strengths. You know, what are you good at? What do you like? You know, there there are people who are in business finding that there's an opportunity, but they don't really like to do that. It's not what they're set out to do. So it's all the question of what you like, what you can do, what you're good at, you know, what is feasible, how quickly will that happen? But it's all about awareness and intuition. I mean, basically every businessman or every person period knows that the most important thing is your intuition and to rely on it and to investigate what is possible and to see how that resonates with you Rather than with somebody else, because you can't just copy somebody else. I mean, no, nobody is like Richard Branson. Uh, like Richard Branson is just himself, yeah. and and, and yeah. he didn't set out to be, you know, I don't know, Einstein or something. You know I mean? yeah. he's so, he's an inventor, right? You know, like that's he's an inventor. Yeah. I mean, he
1: he's a powerful. Right. So you know, we can
0: we can learn from that, but we can't just make a copy of it. Yeah. You know? And uh, in the music business, you know, basically, I was a musician producer for almost 20 years, and I realized that, uh, you know, I I wasn't quite strong enough to get up to that level where, like, you know, um, like you 2 or any you know, of those people, like Bono or so, to get to that, that level.
1: You've got to rock with Damien. You know,
0: I mean, who is, right? Very few people are. So, anyway, I realized that, you know, you have to really find your own way of doing things, and I, I like being on stage, and I'm kind of on stage now, which is a graduation of what I did as a musician.
1: Very interesting. Um, that one hour a day I want to stay there for a moment because I know there's people listening in there like I got to create an hour a day and I gotta give myself space to do to look to be in the future Uh, you is there is there a particular tool that you have or you use or you utilize or that you teach people like give yourself space to, I know you mentioned some of the questions and prompts people should reflect on as they go through it but is there anything else that people can just, um, have intention around when they give themselves that hour to maximize it, tool yeah, or a kind it, of framework. There's a
0: certain habit I have It's just like, you know, if you're into being fit, uh, and keeping your body in good shape, then you, you spend an hour a day on that, right? And, uh, you make a decision that's important. And if you don't do that, then it's not important. or you know? <laughs> oh, maybe there yeah. are other reasons, but anyway. So and you can't really shortcut that. So if if you think the future is important, which I think basically if you don't think the future is important, you're in deep trouble because the future isn't like far away. It's here. Right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> that's why you spend an hour a day in the future. So that means I have a great list of, of books on my website, futuristguard.com. And just look at the book list. You read books, uh, you you read the good magazines, you read The Guardian, you read The Economist, you you read, uh, you know, mm. all the leading publications. You don't spend time on social media. Social media is, by and large, not a good way to go about this, unless you know how to filter, because most of it is bots and, and noise. Yeah, yeah. So you, you read the good stuff. You watch the good podcasts. And there's so many great opportunities now. And you pay attention to the leaders. You know, I read a lot of Bill Gates stuff. I uh, I look at what people are putting out in different ways. I have a search engine. Methodology: Where I search for my key terms, I read all the current articles. I have a, a tool called Insta Paper, where I save all articles that I like offline, and I can read them later. So mm. Insta Paper and Pocket for saving. Yeah. So there's a certain knowledge management that you have to have, and yeah. after you do that for a year or two or three, you realize that you've gone exponentially further than other people who haven't done that. Yeah. Um, because you you are much more aware of it and then you, it's basically the context that right? you have the context of understanding what's around this issue and that means when something happens you have ideas and you can mm. react you're n- you're not unprepared you yeah. saying from china you know luck favors the prepared that's really what mm. it's
1: all about so. yeah so that's that that's good right because i was thinking about as you were talking around taking action the importance of taking action right and that's important but ultimately there's also the um as you said, like just the act of doing that and giving yourself that one hour a day is important as well. That it kind of it it gives you an opportunity to be instinctive, intuitive, and make the right decision when when you are presented with a challenge or. Well, well I mean,
0: these you know these are personality skills. They're not skills like programming or, or mm-hmm. running a spreadsheet or something, right? I mean, basically to be future ready is a personality skill, it's like okay, can you imagine things? Can you pay attention? Um, can you uh, be creative? And those things are about personality, and these things have to be developed. So, for example, today in school, you know, many times in school we learn all the functional skills, you mm. know, downloading information, looking at case studies. But that's not really creative. The the reality is that no. today most of the new jobs haven't even been invented yet. And but right. uh, by, by twenty thirty, we're going to have jobs that nobody has even imagined would exist. So we have to learn to unlearn and relearn like alvin toffler a famous futurist said yeah. you know we have to be ready to to be in the future before it arrives um, and that is something that we can learn and and uh, practice and the people that have done so many of them in technology like jeff bezos and and you know all people who were in tech business like uh, yeah tim, tim cook from apple you know okay. he says basically t- you know technology can do great things but it doesn't want to do great things it doesn't want anything and so we have to be ready to do great things as humans not as you know, technologists.
1: yeah like I and, I and as i kind of think about yourself when you speak to certain things come to mind around um, even the school like our conditioning you know being conditioned to not be in the future or not be creative and innovative it's kind of our school systems and stuff like what are your thoughts around, the conditioning we get in school and school system and you know i know there's some great schools out there but in general well in general you know, you know we,
0: we focus too much on functionality so we uh buckminster fuller another great futurist said that uh, we go to school to be de-genius to have the, the genius removed and that yeah. is a very bad thing because the only thing that we have as humans is exactly the genius yeah you know, it is not functionality Efficiency is for robots. You know, that's what robots are good at. Robots and AI—they can function. They are logical. They don't break. They don't—they're not in unions. They don't ask for raises. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're—they're they're very simple, right? And they—and they just go mm-hmm. about their thing. But they're not human. They don't have agency. So to have human agency and to be creative and to understand and to have wisdom and to really invent—you know—those are human things. And that's what we have to learn in school. So I'd rather hire somebody that that is capable of building a sandcastle than somebody who knows how to program HTML. Yeah, you know, because you yeah. know, I mean, a robot, a robot will program itself. Already is. I mean, if you look at what's yeah. happening with the AI, you know, if you're a programmer, you could speak to the to the bot, and the bot will make a nice program. And then all you do is you make it look better. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, so yeah. so, it's the human-only skills that we have to work on. And a lot of times in education, that is exactly what's being de-emphasized, is what we do as humans. Yeah. 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 to learn information. You know?
1: And what would you say to parents, you know, like that are they're, they're kind of aware of this, that probably not, that their, their kids are going in to be, as you mentioned, you know, DG, you know, is whatever, like, I mean, like, what would you say to parents that... How can, I suppose, what can you do about that? What can we do? I know it's a broader system, but what can I do as a parent for my kids? Give them a better opportunity.
0: You know, I think it's quite clear that uh, if you're a parent, your kids have to understand technology and use technology, that doesn't mean they should become technology. Like, Mm. you know, uh, of course, they should know how to use an iPad or how to make a website or those kind of things. But it doesn't mean that if they know that they have a leg up. Now, the leg up means they can be creative, they can negotiate, They understand other humans. They have compassion. They have empathy. That's what we have to teach our kids and also, of course, our adults. So when you're in a company, you'd rather have a person that's compassionate and understanding and creative than somebody that has three different degrees. Of course, you can be both, ideally, you can have (laughs) compassion. It is possible. But many times at school, you don't learn those things there. You learn them inadvertently. Like you may learn compassion by going to Harvard or MIT on the site, you know, Um, Mm. that may be part of the outcome if you're lucky. But I think a lot of education is just so functional and that we're supposed to function later. But the thing about functioning is that computers will do the functioning. We have to be aware of this, that machines will do all of the routines, all of them.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: that That don't require human judgment, which includes writing computer you know, handbooks of writing translation and call centers and fact-checking and paralegal work. Anything that's kind of commodity work, machines will do.
1: Bit of a selfish question here, right? I, I'm in the coaching industry and I'm a performance coach. I work a lot with teams and executive teams, also sport teams around culture and all of that. What do I need to be prepared for or doing right now to be okay. future ready?
0: Well, well, the culture industry is in good shape there because, you know, machines can truly be creative because they don't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, to be creative and to create things requires emotions. Um, yeah. And computer, computers don't have, AI does not have emotions. It can simulate emotion. That's completely different. David Byrne once said, famous musician, had said yeah. that computers can play music, but they can't make great music. Yeah. They can just simulate to... music, right? And and so I think the culture industry has to focus on the human aspect of what we create and why we create how we create it, and the, the uh the performance aspect and the unique human aspect. Because yes, I could say, okay, the robot and AI can make a painting like Dali as a perfect copy like Dali, you know, make the mm. um, say the Irish Coast uh look like uh, a yeah. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. you know that's possible and it's funny but you know there's a very big difference between what generative AI you know AI that makes things yeah uh when you look at it you could say okay that's really entertaining it's interesting it's potentially inspiring but there's a there's a mountain of difference a huge Canyon between being somewhat good or really good you know it's like yeah. cooking you know a computer can do the cooking and a robot can cook a pancake or a burger but a mm. really good meal that's a whole different class you know, that, that we, yeah. I don't want machines to, and, and then the other thing is that we don't want machines that can be that can be conscious because mm. that's that's our advantage that we have consciousness yeah. Absolutely, yeah. we want machines to be competent you know we want to get the job done we don't want machines to be conscious or have
1: ever be conscious George? will they ever be like is that ever something in the future where machines will be able to have emotion and be conscious uh you could
0: argue that they would get so good at simulating it that we would have yeah. no way of telling yeah uh good i mean point. basically if you have a computer <laughs> of one billion uh, if a computer has a one an iq of one billion you know an intellectual iq of one billion it could get very good at simulating every possible human emotion and understanding basically, uh, you know, in, mm. in ten thousand synchronous cases, you know, so so it, it yeah. would not have an issue with that. But and we couldn't tell. And this is one of the things that's most important about what's happening with AI today. We can't tell anymore if a story or a picture or a video or a, a podcast that is done is actually real or not, because the computer is very good at simulating.
1: Mm. And yeah. so, so we yeah. need
0: to find a mechanism to clarify that. You know
1: there was a music video. I think the, the artist is Tovlo, whatever this. I think that's the, maybe I'm incorrect with the name, something like that. But in in the music video, um, it was basically all about her falling in love with uh, a robot. You know, and it's kind of it. it just goes into the robot. The robot is delivered to the door, and then in the in the package it opens. The robot's there, and then they fall in love, and then something happens. The well, yeah, robot, robot it, it, breaks. It, you know.
0: There are lots of shows about this, like humans, or of course Black Mirror, right? Black, Black Mirror, yes. yeah. Yeah. In, you know, in the end, it is possible that a computer may eventually live up to that expectation. Some people say it by 2050. Um, mm-hmm. Then the key to me is do we want that? I, I don't think we want machines, the West World kind of environments. Um, I, I think it's possible, but it's probably not a good idea. And, yes. and so today we we're, we're, we're sitting here and saying okay is it possible but basically anything is possible right and you can yeah. marry, you can bury a robot already and, and in Japan they have robot pets that they bury when they then they break right yeah. um these things are already happening the question is really uh, do we want that is that a good idea and is it funny or is it going to be kind of perversion of human lifestyle
1: yeah and i think that that's the challenge I, you know like, look, i mean, who might say that's a challenge but as I, far as I can kind of tell is that human nature is and I suppose the human life and the human emotion and challenges of, of humanity uh, at times people look for a shortcut uh, or to kind of avoid doing doing a hard work or dealing with heartbreak or putting themselves out there in fear of rejection and you know you've all these things so with with that option of having something really easy at hand I think I think people can be exploited and a big business could be created out of just exploiting humans and giving them, oh, giving yeah, them an well, easy option for love and an easy option for other things. And I think it could be very damaging yeah, yeah. then, you know, so
0: and there's already a business that is exploiting humans called Facebook, uh, that that's what, uh-huh. that's what, that's really what they do, but you know, in the end, I think that's something we have to be aware of is, is, uh, at, at what point does it become counterintuitive And it can have great uh, effect for example if you could work three or four times as efficient let's say as a translator or as a court clerk or you know mm-hmm. whatever using tools that's going to be amazing but we should protect the spaces that make us human uh, because they're really important to society so we should we should always keep the human in the loop we should not take the human out yeah so that it looks more efficient like we can say you know let's have a, a politician that's a that's an AI. Because it'll it'll be completely neutral. There's mm. no such thing. There's no yeah. such neutral, uh, and yeah. you know there's no such thing as an all-knowing machine, and and this would really lead us to uh, science fiction territory.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I think taking human out of it not sustainable. So if even if that was the case, I think the human would it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't succeed in the long term. You know, um,
0: I think in Europe, particularly Ireland, also, but. But in Europe in general, you know, we are humanists, right? We 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 want to stay human. Yes. Um and even though we want to progress, we want to, you know, we want to live to be hundred, maybe hundred and twenty, that would be nice, right? If we could. Be lovely, yeah. Everybody wants that, you know, but maybe not 250, but you know, hundred or so. And we're heading yeah. in that direction very strongly. But we still value human things like mistakes, emotions, yeah, uh, uh accidents. Uh change of heart yeah you know, all of these things mm. and what's called free will which is a huge box of uh, questions you know whether we actually have that oh, we no. have that yeah <laughs> you know, and we must yes. retain this and then and then we look to silicon valley where people are saying we want to be superhuman you know or in china same thing we want to be like living 200 years and not make any mistakes and i think that's a very bad idea because why would i give up something as marshall McLuhan, the famous media theorists said, you yeah. know, every time we add something in technology, we all you lose something that we used mm. to have as humans. And, and we have to be very careful that when we had television, when television came into the living room, we stopped making music. And and then music came back in a very big way. Uh, that's good. And now we have both the television and we still play music. Mm. Uh, okay, that that's good news, really, but we don't want to lose everything just because we use a little uh, artificial intelligent assistant or something like this you know
1: yeah yeah and you look just the, the, the human connection as well i would imagine tv is probably uh, you know a barrier to that to some degree as well and that's probably outside of um what we're talking about no but you said 2050 there'll be potentially robots as partners or whatever it might be right but what it's, is something you can foresee in 2050 what does the world look like in 2050
0: Well, I think it will probably only take less than 10 years for a computer to have the combined processing power than all of human brains. uh, That has been set forth by Ray Kurzweil from Google, famous inventor, who talks about the singularity, the point in time when computers become essentially of that stature and and possibly uncontrollable. So that's only a decade or so. But I, I think ultimately by 2050, we're talking about a world that is, I mean... So unbelievably different. For example, we're going to have nuclear fusion or something similar, which essentially is the opposite of fission. So not a bomb, but an implosion, not an explosion, you could say, yeah. creating essentially unlimited energy. When We may have unlimited energy, which is, some people argue, 15, 20 years away. Nuclear fusion, which is a big deal, of course, in Switzerland, and you know, trillions of dollars are being invested there. Um, yeah. we move into to a world where basically with unlimited energy, we have unlimited water, desalination, we have unlimited yeah. food, we, can, we have unlimited travel, we can go to space. Yeah, that's all 2050 right there. I mean, our kids are going to live in that world yeah. where in principle computers can do and machines can do pretty much anything. And so the only question is, what do we want them to do? And I always say this is really important about the future. It's not about what we can do because... We will be able to do pretty much anything that we set our mind to. But what do we want? What kind of world do we want? And do we want to have a Star Trek society which is more equal and more collective? Or do we want to have fiefdoms of technology and fight with each other to use it? I mean, these are all very big questions and
1: inspiring and frightening at the same time, right? But the world has many possibilities and Jordan, I just want to say thanks for coming on, right? Is there any like where can people find you, find your work, learn more about what you do, you know, take advantage of services, the programs you have.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I always say the future is better than we think. So I'm an optimist and Mm. my focus is on what I call the good future to create the good future. So I made a film about this called The Good Future. It was filmed here in Lanzarote, Canary Islands, thegoodfuturefilm.com. And of course I'm very big on YouTube. I have my own channel, Uh, You can find it at GERD, G-E-R-D, tube.com, which is a shortcut, GERDtube. And my last (laughs) book is Technology versus Humanity. It's available in 14 languages, and it's on Amazon and everywhere. So uh, techvshuman.com. And, of course, my website, futuristgerd.com. It has a huge amount of resources, and you can watch my keynotes. I have over a 1,000 hours of video on YouTube, so the next two weeks can be filled with constant Mm -hmm. watching.
1: Christmas, Christmas time, you know this will be released over Christmas. So I think they'll have a lot of uh, a lot of time to get, get stuck in. Any last messages, George, any last in advice, guidance for anyone listening in? Any last message? Yeah,
0: I think that my, my key advice is one that we should uh we should think of the future as a positive thing. You know, as we look at the future uh, so we act, and as we act so we become. So we should think of the future as positive. And despite of all the issues like geopolitics and wars and so on, we should keep a positive mindset because the future is made by optimists. Now, it's not made by pessimists. And we we have to make the future. Therefore, we have to think of the good possibilities and kind of eliminate the worst possible scenarios, of course. But think of the future as something that can be really good and positive.
1: Yeah. Listen, George, thanks so much. You know, we're at, we're at time now and I want to just say, look, it was amazing to talk to you. I, I learned so much from it. Uh, you know, and I know that the the people listening in as well, you're, you're a force for, for nature. You're doing powerful things and I'm looking forward to following you and your journey and um, being part of it in some way, you know, and I think um, more power to you. Talk So that's an, another episode down, guys. And whoa, what an episode it was and what a timing it was as well heading into 2024. So, I hope you took some knowledge, some wisdom, some insight, and some inspiration to take action from the episode. God is powerful, and he he role models, I suppose, everything that he spoke about, which is what life is all about, man of integrity. And I've no doubt I'll speak with him again. And look, listen, if you feel this is valuable to you, please share it with other people, and you know, leave a recommendation, leave a rating, good, bad, or indifferent. It all matters. You matter. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you tuned in and I'm glad you're still here. And I wish the best for you in 2024 and I hope we cross paths. And thank you once again for supporting the podcast and bring 2024 on.